0: Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative, and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State, Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPInfo.org. Governor Kathy Hochul addressed the sense of unease that New Yorkers feel about the economy and crime in her 2024 state of the state message. Among her proposals were a crackdown on retail theft and a scaled-down plan to build more affordable housing to ease the state's ongoing crisis. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports
1: thank you and good afternoon quoting fdr and taylor swift hochel addressed lawmakers in the assembly chamber where guests included former governors david patterson and george pataki while hochel says the state of the state is strong she acknowledged that many new yorkers don't feel that way as they worry about rising costs and shrinking paychecks and i know in those moments i can actually understand why some people feel the sun is setting on the empire state, but I don't despair because I see light on the horizon. We are a state where resiliency runs in our veins. No mountain is too high for us to summit. The governor proposed efforts to fight crime, including a smash and grab enforcement unit within the state police to focus on retail shop theft. And Hochul's plan would make it harder to sell stolen goods online. These attacks are nothing more than a breakdown of the social order. I say no more. The chaos must end. She also proposes expanding the list of crimes that could be eligible as hate crimes in the wake of rising anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim bias linked to the ongoing violence in Israel and Gaza. Hochul also offered a series of more modest proposals aimed at improving the day-to-day lives of New Yorkers. Some were previously announced, like changing the methods of teaching reading to children, raising the weekly payments for workers who need temporary medical disability, and improving maternal and infant care. The governor relaunched a housing program that was scaled back from a 2023 wide-ranging proposal that Democrats who lead both houses of the legislature rejected. In her written comments accompanying the speech, Hochul took swipes at her Democratic colleagues, saying the legislature failed to act even to preserve New York's anemic existing growth of housing. She continued her criticism in her speech. Unfortunately, many made it clear they would not support it. Democratic Senate Deputy Majority Leader Mike Giannara shot back, saying the governor's new plan has some big holes in it.
2: All she proposes is a developer's dream, but left out protections for tenants in their
3: existing homes. and so. We're not making sure that people get to stay in the homes they have. What exactly is the point of building poor homes that people can then get evicted from very easily?
1: Hochul left out of her speech one of the major issues facing New York, the influx of tens of thousands of asylum-seeking migrants. They've been bused here from Texas and Florida. Republican Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort believes politics influenced that omission.
3: She's always said she's kind of a Biden Democrat, and she took the Biden approach, which is to kind of ignore it. Um, and hope that it's not happening. Um, And that's one school of thought, but it is happening.
1: He says the situation won't go away on its own. Ort says the governor's speech lacked large themes normally found in a state of the state message.
3: It was small ball, it was a little bit flat. Uh, It wasn't kind of that big, those big ideas that we're used to seeing. Uh, Maybe that was by design, because it is 2024. And
1: 2024 is a key election year where congressional races in some districts in the state could determine which party controls the House. Ort says with so much at stake, the governor seems to be trying to play it safe. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt.
0: are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gastina. The Legislative Gazette's Jesse King spoke with Hudson Valley lawmakers about New York Governor Kathy Hochul's State of the State Address and filed this report.
4: Welcome to our future. Thank you. The Democratic governor's high-flying speech touched on everything from housing and climate change to education and artificial intelligence without diving into many specifics. Assemblyman Jonathan Jacobson, a Democrat from the 104th District in Newburgh, says he felt it was a good speech, but that's the easy part.
5: The hard part is going to come when we see the governor's budget and see how much of these priorities, which generally everybody agrees on, are addressed in the budget.
4: New York is facing a projected $4.3 billion budget shortfall heading into the next fiscal year. Last year's budget was approved over a month late, with tensions expected to bleed into this year's budget season, too. Hochul's budget comes out on January 16th. Where Holko wants to spend $10 million to train teachers in back-to-basics reading instruction, Jacobson says he wants to make financial literacy a requirement for graduation. Looking at some of his other priorities this year, Jacobson says he's determined to pass a bill with State Senator Michelle Hinchy, a fellow Democrat, that would limit utilities from relying on estimated meter reads. Central Hudson Gas and Electric is still repairing its customer relations after a multi-year billing fiasco caused by a new billing system led to errors for thousands of customers. Central Hudson, which is seeking a delivery rate hike through the State Public Services Commission, maintains its billing errors have been corrected and it is making the transition from bi-monthly to monthly meter readings. Meantime, Assemblyman Chris Taig, a Republican from the 102nd District in Schuylerville, says Hochul isn't doing enough to address public safety.
6: She
7: started out of the box today and said New York is strong and safe. And I think that a lot of people in the public would question that statement.
4: Haig says he will continue fighting to roll back New York's recent bail reform laws. Hochul's criminal justice proposals did include expanding the list of offenses eligible for hate crime status. The governor also wants to add a unit to the New York State Police targeting retail theft. Assemblyman Anil Bipan from the 105th District in East Fishkill says he hopes this season will see the passage of Melanie's Law, a bill the first term Republican has been pushing since before he came into office. The bill is named after Melanie Chianese, a 29 year old woman from Wappinger's Falls who was stabbed to death by her mother's ex boyfriend in 2022. Bipan says Chianese's mother and younger brother had restraining orders against the ex boyfriend, but because Chianese was an adult, her mother's restraining order didn't protect her. Bipan's bill, which passed at the assembly last year, but hasn't made it through the Senate, would allow family courts to expand the protection given by restraining orders to adult family members.
7: Tying back to the governor's state of the state, she did mention and allude to greater investment in resources, monetary funding, and and even legislation that could help curb uh, domestic violence incidents across the state of New York. And we truly believe that Melanie's law uh, could be one of those at the
6: forefront of her agenda.
4: Just before the holidays, BPAN introduced a bill pushing back against the Metropolitan Transportation Authority's congestion pricing plan in New York City, which would toll the average car driver $15 a day to enter lower Manhattan. The plan has drawn outcry from residents and lawmakers alike, particularly those in New Jersey and the Hudson Valley. BPAN says a lot of his constituents commute into the city for work, and for those lugging heavy equipment, it doesn't always make sense to take Metro North. bpan's bill would exempt New York City employees, first responders, doctors, nurses, and from the toll. Even if it doesn't pass, Beepin says he's confident there's enough ruffled feathers on both sides of the aisle to push some form of restriction through. Take, for example, State Senator James Skufus, a Democrat from the 42nd District in Cornwall. Scoofus has called on the MTA to provide an exemption for Orange County residents, setting a lack of train lines and steady bus service west of the Hudson River. We don't have subways.
5: We don't have MTA buses on every street corner like you do in many places in the five boroughs and yet uh, we pay the same MTA fees when we go and uh, transact at the DMV. I really wish there would be a a better focus on increasing access to to public transit.
4: Without an exemption or rebate for county residents, Skufis has threatened to join a New Jersey lawsuit challenging the toll or to pull Orange County from the MTA region altogether. On the whole, though, Skoufis says he largely agreed with Hochul's outlook Tuesday, particularly her proposals on mental health. Hochul pledged to expand outpatient mental health services across the state and proposed a regulation requiring insurance providers to provide out-of-network coverage in some situations. Hochul also pledged to meet New York's energy targets under its Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Assembly members Chris Burdick and Dana Levenberg, both Democrats, say they were both heartened by the statements, although they'd like to see more specific plans. Levenberg, from the 95th District in Ossining, says she and Democratic State Senator Pete Harkham are hoping to finally pass a bill that would allow parks to place solar canopies over their parking lots.
8: That provides shade, uh, that provides um, protection from, you know, on a rainy day, you could theoretically eat there, your car seats don't get hot, and also are providing a solar power.
4: Assemblymember Dee Dee Barrett, a Democrat from the 106th District in Poughkeepsie, says developing a workforce for the state's green economy is high on her personal to-do list.
5: I don't think we're seeing that uh, happen just yet, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot of projects are going to come online at the same time, which is going to require even more of a workforce ready to take those on
4: for many of the region's lawmakers it all comes back to that 4.3 billion dollar budget gap so while they largely appreciated the governor's speech they say a lot remains to be seen for Assemblyman take the state isn't in a place to pour funds into social programs state senator harcum from the 40th district in peakskill agrees that quote the devil is in the details but he wants to make sure the state doesn't roll back any of its investments in education Assembly member Sarah Hannah Shresta, meanwhile, says New York can narrow the gap by taxing its wealthy. The progressive Democrat from the 103rd District in Kingston says she was glad to hear Hochul counter the argument that wealthy New Yorkers are leaving the state because of taxes, positing instead that working-class residents are fleeing because of the cost of housing. Shresta says that's the message she's been trying to push for a long time. The governor said we cannot spend money that we don't have, which
8: means that we need to have more money. Um, and we have lots of very wealthy people who are a small group of New Yorkers who still aren't paying their fair share of
4: taxes. So we still want to go after them because we're talking about billions of dollars that we're leaving on the table. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Jesse King. <laughs>
0: You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gastina. Meanwhile, the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley gathered reaction to Governor Kathy Hochul's proposals in her State of the State address from officials upstate and found it mixed.
5: The Democrat focused on crime, affordability, and housing. Hochul told legislators that the state has a unique opportunity to be a leader in AI technology development. North Country Chamber of Commerce President Gary Douglas welcomes several elements of the governor's 2024 agenda, particularly her recognition of the state's population loss.
2: That's been a message of upstate chambers for some time. It was important to have the governor acknowledge that. We now are talking about maybe by the time of the next national census, New York losing maybe three or four additional congressional seats. I mean, it has real practical uh, impacts. It is an overarching issue. One of the things that we're we're certainly all pleased about uh, here in the business community is that the state is facing a significant deficit, but uh, she is not pursuing the notion of closing that deficit in any way by increasing taxes. Increasing taxes would not be the way to keep capital and people in the state of new york
5: assembly minority leader will barclay is a republican from the 120th district
2: so i don't know how she's gonna kind of solve for instance the outmigration. we've lost a hundred thousand people in the last year now housing she mentioned housing great we do need to build more housing in new york but i think she wants government intrusion into the housing market and just subsidizing housing, where we would be more, less regulations, private developers uh, to do that.
5: Senator Dan Stack, a Republican from the 45th District, found positives and negatives in the governor's speech. He's glad that criminal justice issues will be revisited. But with the housing crisis, he says Hochul is treating the symptoms and not the cause.
2: The speech was pretty tame, not a lot of big ideas, not a lot of controversial ideas. There are pieces of it that I completely agree with, like uh, addressing mental health issues in
0: schools, uh, you know, starting with uh, you know, more of a focus on pediatric mental health. That's something that myself and I know my Republican colleagues have long felt was needed. So I think that there'll be bipartisan support for that initiative. But on the crime front, on the illegal immigration front, and on the just sheer high cost and expense of living and operating in New York, I think that those were areas that, for my opinion, her speech fell short on and it was an opportunity lost for her.
5: Assemblywoman Mary Beth Walsh, a Republican representing the 112th district, issued a video expressing disappointment with the proposals, characterizing them as too timid. It's not the kind of bold leadership that New York needs right now. You know, we're leading the nation
8: in out migration. For the last three years, we've got some significant serious problems that need to be addressed thoughtfully and boldly. And the governor is proposing that we build more swimming pools and have more have more uh have more swim lessons for kids i mean that's that that's that might be a bill i'd support but that should not be the cornerstone of a recipe for trying to save our state
5: republican clinton county legislature chair mark henry released a statement praising hokel's commitment to once again fund the fast new york program and support for agriculture Quote, however, some highlighted initiatives pose challenges as they manifest as unfunded mandates to local governments, unquote. The governor's 204 initiatives are fully outlined online. A link is at wamc.org. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley.
0: Well, I sat down this week with John Caney. He's the executive director and co-founder of Reinvent Albany, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that seeks transparency in New York government. We talked about New York Governor Kathy Hochul's State of the State Address this week, including the idea that the wish list in her speech often doesn't make it into her budget.
7: That's exactly right, David. It's, you know, the money talks, the, the nonsense walks is the, the old phrase. And the um, uh, what's in the governor's budget uh, is is matters much, much more than the state of the state address, which I think was more about the governor staying out of trouble than it was about proposing anything uh, grand and, and new. And so all eyes will be on the literal bottom line and how much uh, is going into each budget line. A couple things, though, on the state's budget picture. It's actually quite good. Um, the revenue estimates have come in consistently higher. The state uh just uh, uh reduced significantly reduced the estimated uh, out year deficit um in the last couple over the last couple months and the state has 19 and a half billion or more in rainy day funds and other reserves. So it's it's not a, a austerity budget, but the you know I, I should have mentioned this at the top the, the 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 key thing for many is that the governor said she's not going to raise taxes. And so that's going to be um, on anybody. And so that's going to be one of just the fundamental battle lines between, uh, in particular, progressive Democrats and the governor in the, the budget debate.
0: No question about it. The battle lines, because the state is controlled by Democrats, are between the more progressives in her party and the more centrists like the governor. And while you have mentioned crime as part of her speech, she's tending to go toward the victim angle.
7: Yeah, I think just in terms of what's interesting or new coming out of this, um, that could be something that that uh, national Democrats in uh, suburban areas pick up on is the victim centered uh, look at crime through the, the prism of women and children. And uh, domestic and emphasizing domestic violence and efforts to fight domestic violence. And it's fascinating that the governor's state of the state book mentions that a very large portion of uh, violent uh, crimes are domestic violence crimes in New York and nationally. And therefore, when you uh, target domestic violence, you're targeting violent crime. And that's a that's an interesting angle and um uh, we'll have to see you know how that plays and how much they they hit on that thematically um but again you know 200 plus specific policy proposals in 19 areas is a lot and uh, separating the the kind of the the wheat from the chaff is is going to be hard to do until the exact budget put your money where your mouth is. time happens when the governor's budget comes out next week
0: that's John Caney, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Reinvent Albany. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. New York's minimum wage workers saw their pay increase with the new year, The State Department of Labor Commissioner says more than a million workers are affected. The Legislative Gazette's Alexander Babi with more.
6: The minimum wage is now $16 an hour in New York City, on Long Island, and in Westchester County, and $15 an hour in the rest of the state. The wage will continue to rise incrementally through 2026 when it reaches $17 an hour downstate and $16 upstate. Rudin spoke with WMC just after the new rates took effect.
8: This will affect over a million workers here in the state currently earning less than the 2024 minimum wage threshold. It is really a significant increase and I want people to remember that women and particularly single mothers are overrepresented in the minimum wage category of earning. So this increase doesn't help just the worker, it is really a family sustaining wage. Very important to families and of course, The minimum wage tends to lift all boats.
6: The Business Council of New York State is among industry groups that oppose the hike. Reardon says its fears are unfounded. Before I was commissioner uh,
8: I think in 2014 there was a wage order that said that workers at certain franchised fast food operations needed to make $15 an hour and this is before the the wage increases that happened for anybody else and we had the, you know you can imagine this is going to drive franchises out of the state of New York Not only did that not happen, some of those franchises actually
6: expanded. To that point, Reardon says much of the money goes right back into the local economy.
8: One other good thing about the minimum wage that people don't often think about, when people who work at this level get a raise, they mostly spend that money in their local communities. They go out and buy their kids new shoes or they get extra groceries or they may be able to go out and have a dinner out.
6: But Reardon does agree. Small businesses will be most impacted. Any business that is better capitalized is going to be
8: able to absorb either higher prices in their supply chain or higher prices in their workforce. You now that they just have more capital at hand, smaller businesses do have to adjust more uh, more quickly, probably, because they don't have as much ready cash. But, you know, it's, it's not a gigantic increase. And again, they're probably going to see an increase in traffic.
6: That doesn't mean impacted businesses are without support, Reardon says. There are tax credits for hiring certain uh, disadvantaged
8: youth. Uh, there are tax credits for certain kinds of businesses. I don't have them all on the top of my head. But if people are interested, again, contact the Department of Labor. Uh, ask for a business services representative. And they can go out and sit down with them and talk them, you know, walk them through
6: what's available for them. Reardon encourages minimum wage workers to check their pay stubs and ensure their wage actually went up. If it didn't, Reardon says, the Department of Labor has a process to address the matter.
8: They should go on our website. There is a form that you can fill out under worker protection saying that my employer is not paying the correct wage and we will immediately follow up.
0: For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Alexander Babby. January is National Radon Action Month. The American Lung Association in New York is urging everyone to test their homes. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas with more.
2: Radon is a naturally occurring radioactive gas emitted from the ground that is odorless, tasteless, and colorless and can enter a home through cracks in floors, basement walls, foundations, and other openings. Radon can be present at high levels inside homes, schools, and other buildings. It is responsible for an estimated 21,000 lung cancer deaths every year and is the leading cause of lung cancer in people who have never smoked. Trevor Summerfield is Director of Advocacy for the Lung Association.
3: The state of lung cancer report that we release every year um, reveals that it's detected at high levels in about nearly 14% of homes in New York State. I know radon isn't uh, first and foremost when it comes to people's minds, but it's really important to test your home and really get that message out there because it is one of those things that, again, it's, it, people just don't think about. And you see this research come out year after year in the reports that we do that it's just one of those common sense things you can do as, as an individual in your home to protect yourself and your family.
2: Dr. Albert Rizzo is the Chief Medical Officer for the American Lung Association. He says radon mitigation is usually easy and not very costly.
6: Because radon's a gas emanating from the soil and the rocks, it gets trapped in areas in our home, usually in the lower areas, the basement areas. So if the radon level is high in those areas, it's a matter of putting in proper ventilation. Sometimes this means windows or venting pipes. Uh, and also sealing up any obvious cracks in the foundation where radon can leak in. So it is something that can be done usually without too much cost. The testing runs between, you know, $15 to $30. You can get a kit on Amazon. And there are many states that have free kits available as well. But uh, it's an easy test to do, and the mitigation usually is fairly cost-effective, especially if you consider the consequences if you don't get it tested and don't get it corrected.
2: Summerfield says radon levels between 13 and 14% are common in homes in surrounding states as well.
3: One of the questions we get a lot is, hey, we're here in the northeast, right? We're here in Albany. Some of the homes are older. Does this impact us more? Radon can impact any home, and that's important to notice. So anybody that's out there listening to this, you should test your um, home yearly for radon. Again, it's very easy to do so, cost effective, and again, not, you know, won't just save lives, but also livelihoods as well, because you don't want people living with cancer. And again, we know this is the second leading cause of cancer deaths and lung cancer in the United States. So take some time, um, look at your home, go out there, buy that kit. You Do your testing um, and see if you need to take steps to mitigate that radon in your home.
2: Summerfield adds, if you do detect high levels of radon in your home, reach out to Professional Mitigation Services. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas.
0: That about does it for this week's show. The Legislative Gazette is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. You can listen to the Legislative Gazette anytime at WAMCPodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Look for program number 2402. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustino. Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, president, uupinfo.org.